Well, welcome to the men's global live stream. If you have a Bible, I want you to hold two spots. These are going to be our two main texts for today's study. And that's one in 1 John chapter 4 and then the other in 1 Corinthians 13. And if you're joining us for the first time, we're in a new series called Love Strong. We're in part two. And as men, I think we can all agree we love strength, right? We gravitate toward strong and investing in things to make ourselves strong. Strong bodies, strong careers, strong portfolios, strong businesses. You get the picture. The idea is, is when you feel strong, you feel confident, right? You feel solid, right? Versus feeling weak and anxious. So strong can be positive or negative, just depends on where you're getting strong. And here's where we miss the boat, guys. We put so much energy and effort and time and resources into getting strong in a lot of dimensions of life. But where we end up having a lot of regret is not making relationships strong. And when you're not doing relationships right, you're not doing life right. In fact, you're missing the meaning of life. And so there is this allocation of energy which produces strength and a lot of times myself included i put it into areas that rob meaning of life and at the end of my life are not going to create happiness and joy that i live my life right so the bible is clear uh, that if you want strong relationships right you have to love strong because relationships involve reciprocity, and the ability to love, to say no to yourself, and to say yes to another person. So strong relationships should be a goal, all right? And to have strong relationships, you have to love strong. So there's our case statement for why we're doing this series. I think every guy can appreciate that. So at the end of our lives, we'll be able, will we be able to look back and say, man, I had great relationships and I loved strong. Now, to introduce you to our theme for part two, I just wanna ask you a question. Have you ever said or heard somebody say that was a game changer, all right? You ever said that? Do you know what that is? Have you ever heard someone else say that? That's a game changer. So when we say that or we hear someone else say that, what they're talking about is some event or some idea or some new way of doing something or some experience that really rocked their world and shifted their world. Now that can be positive uh, game changer or there can be events in our lives that are negative but nonetheless change everything, all right? For example, I'll just start at the lowest common denominator. You discover a new power tool it would have been a five-hour job, but because of this power tool, right, that was a game changer. That five-hour job turned into a one-hour job, all right? Let's talk about technology. You discover a new technology, right, that eliminates hard resources, right? It's digital. It's not physical, right? So the bulky hard equipment, storage needs for all that hard material, right? Goes out the window. Paper processes goes out the window, right? Same idea. And once you've made the shift, right? 
that game-changing transition, it's unthinkable that you would go back to the old way. Now, let's talk about a different type of game changer, all right? Let's talk about maybe you've had a trauma. Maybe you've had a loss in your life. Maybe you've had a painful uh, experience. And that was so strong that it permanently changed the way you personally go about life, go about your purpose, go about relationships, okay? Same idea, that loss, trauma, or pain was a game changer for you, and now you don't approach whatever that dimension that you experienced it in quite the same way, all right? Now, what's the common denominator of a game changer, right? The common denominators in all those examples is that you permanently change or you permanently alter the way you go about doing something, all right? You're permanently different or the way you're doing something is different, all right? Now, the Bible, okay, here's the transition. Once you got that, is the Bible declares that your experience with God's love is the single most powerful game changer in life. In fact, when you understand God's love and when you apply personally God's love, it is intended to permanently shift the way you go about, listen, all your relationships, all right? You become a man who loves strong. Why? Because you've been loved strong. The game has changed for you. You collided with God's love through the person of Christ. And now my life is completely different. My focus is completely different. And my emphasis of where I put my energy shifts over to two important relationships, God and loving people, loving God and loving people. So you might've heard that before, but in this session, we're gonna dive deeper into that. So the question for you, for me, is to ask ourselves, right? Do people around us see that game-changing transformation where we've collided with the person of Christ, his love, that event of encountering his love and his forgiveness has changed us. It's a game changer. It's transformed us. But more importantly than them seeing that, do they feel it? Do they feel that same love that has radically altered your life? Do they feel that same love that changed you being expressed in your relationship with them? And the point I wanna drive home as we finish this introduction is there's no such thing in God's word as having a great relationship with God and being unaffected or unchanged due to that relationships with people. Or you can say it this way. You can't have, biblically, a strong relationship with God and then have crummy relationships with people. And I know that that's a possibility, but if that describes you or I, we got some work to do, right? Because the measure, as we learned in part one, the measure of our relationship with God is the quality of our relationships with people. So that's why we're talking about loving strong. In fact, let me say it another way. The integrity 
right? The credibility of your relationship with God, okay, among those around you, all right, is measured by that relationship and his love impacting them, right? So if you want integrity and for people to feel integrity in your walk with God, you got to know how to love strong. And that's what we'll see today in God's word as, as well as how it's supposed to be felt by other people. And we're going to start in that first passage that I mentioned, 1 John chapter 4. We're going to read that and unpack it. And we're going to look at what happens to us after we collide with God's love. All right, let me read the passage from 1 John 4, 7 through 13. It says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. So let's unpack this collision between a man and God's love, all right? So the game-changing impact of knowing and experiencing his love is, number one, we get a new name. All right, write that down. We get a new name. Twice in the passage, he calls us beloved, right? When you become a Christian and you recognize and receive and respond to God's love, you live as a beloved child of God, right? Now, dads. You love your kids. Well, if you do, and they're special to you, and you love them, you know what they are? They're beloved, right? That's your new name. Now, when the Bible gives us a name, it's more than sort of a nickname or a new name. It's supposed to reflect our inner nature. So inside, we sense and internalize and receive and are transformed by God's love. I know who I am. I'm beloved. And I've internalized that. And in internalizing it, I change. All right. So after colliding with God's love, we have a new name, which means that we're becoming new on the inside. Secondly, we have a new purpose. So being loved by God, then we're commissioned to love one another the way God has loved us. We're beloved. God has sent his son. He modeled love for us. And we recognize that love. We received it. And we're responding to it. And then that becomes our purpose. That experience becomes our purpose. right? So after colliding with God's love, we get a new name. We get a new purpose, which is to reproduce that love and be great at loving one another, loving strong. And then third, 
after colliding with God's love, we get a new start inwardly. Notice in the passage that it says, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. See the inception there? I know that when I became a Christian, I loved selfishly. After I became a Christian, I got a new start in this realm of relationships and learning how to do them well and how to love, right? Because I now was born of God and I, I started this relationship of knowing God in his ways and God began to influence the way I related to other people. I got a new start on the inside, right? I was born again, spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, and that resulted in being born again relationally too. I got a new start on the inside and that impacted my relationships on the outside. Fourth, after colliding with God's love, we have a new model relationally. If, you, if we ever wonder like, gosh, how are relationships supposed to work? How am I supposed to be conducting myself? in relationships. Well, we saw in the passion, the, the passage, uh, if God so loved us, then we also ought to love one another. So you see God models, what God models for us is meant for us, right? There's that sacrificial love. He sent his son to be the payment for my sin, all right? He sacrificed, he sacrificially loved for me. So then if God so loved me, then I'm to so love other people, right? That's how we roll in God's family. We're supposed to reproduce his modeling for us relationally. And then lastly, after colliding with God's love, we have a new measure spiritually. And this is really important because guys like to measure themselves, right? We kind of look on the, the playground when we're young and then we look at the professional playground, you know, when we're older and, you know, we look at the social playground and we like to measure ourselves against other men. Well, what's your measure? How do you evaluate yourself spiritually? Well, in the passage, right, it says this, that if God abides in us, right, and his love is perfected in us and we're loving one another, right, then people will see that, that God's with us and that God's in us, that we have integrity spiritually. You wanna measure your spiritual integrity? Just look at your relationships. The Bible does not know a really strong relationship with God. I'll say it again, right? And a man who is crummy at loving people. In fact, it's upsetting to God when such great love is demonstrated toward you and then either you're immature in love or stingy with love or are not learning how to love in your primary relationships after having that simply modeled for you through God's love in Christ. All right, so there's our foundation for part two, right? After colliding with God's love, you get a new name, a new purpose, a new start inwardly, new model relationally, and you have a new measure, okay? And that's relational health, new measure spiritually. So let's talk about now how game-changing love from God changes us. And the first thing it changes is it changes my core motivation, all right? It changes my core motivation. And I want you now, we're going to start moving down 1 Corinthians 13, the Apostle Paul's famous treatise on love. And I want you to listen for the point of emphasis 
as it relates to changing your core motivation and focus, okay? Paul, 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 3 says this, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do, ha- do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Did you catch the picture? Right? If, if, if God's man does not have love, all that he does outwardly, his good intentions, his good actions, it's noise, he becomes nothing, and it means nothing if his core motivation in doing those things isn't love for other people, right? But in the passage, you see this shift where Paul is is making this compare and contrast, and you can feel the point of emphasis where it shifts from what I do to why I do what I do, from who I am, all right, a person who's gifted and talented, to who I'm becoming, and how I do things to how I please God, right, by, by loving, right? So when you encounter God's game-changing love, your motivation for why you do what you do, who you're becoming, and how you, you do things to please God now, that's game-changing. Now, if you want people to sense and see God, you have to look at the solution for that. And it talks about that solution in 1 John 4.12. And it was from our initial passage, but I'm putting it here under motivation. Listen to this. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Did you catch that? Right? Believers, men who know God, right? They make the invisible God visible, okay? By how they love. I'll say it again. You want people to see and sense God, right? Which I I hope is your desire, right? We want everybody to to see God, sense God, know God, experience God. You want that to happen, all right? If you got to love one another, you got to learn how to be strong at loving the people in your life. And then if that happens, people will go, God lives in that guy, right? He's mature in God. There's something in him, all right? So that's the first game changer. When you collide with God's love, right, how does it change you? It changes your core motivation and why you do what you do and why you're becoming who you're becoming and how you do what you do, right? And if you don't want to just be more noise in today's culture, and if you want to have an impact, love strong. All right, let's look at the second aspect of how God's love is game-changing. Secondly, it changes my core character, right? Now, in 1 Corinthians 13, right, as we move now from verses 1 through 3 to verses 4 through 8, it's going to talk about how love inside of God's man 
turns him into a different man. And I want you to listen for the key changes, all right? It says this, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Now, when we see all these qualities of love, they mirror God's love for us. In other words, God's love is patient, it's kind, right? It's not boastful, it's not proud, right? It rejoices with the truth, it protects. All of those qualities that we saw. Now, when you collide with God's love and the love of God is put inside of you, there is this emphasis now on you're going to become loving in your core character. So what does love, it, love look like inside a man? Who does, what does he become like? Well, just put your name in place of love and the word it in the passion. Bob is patient. Paul is kind. Jason does not envy. Anthony does not boast. Kenny is not proud, right? Hans does not dishonor others, and so on and so forth. But for your personal application in today's study, I want you to put your name and read the passage in place of love or it. And then you'll have your, your what I call a love test, right? This is your core character, how people would say, you know, Joe is patient. Joe is kind. Kenny is patient. Kenny is kind. Kenny's not rude. They're describing character qualities, okay? And these qualities, you can't possess them in perfect measures, okay? Because we don't get perfect till we go to heaven. But you should be developing these core character qualities through God's love coming into your life. Why? Because this is the way God loves and treats you. So that's, that's where, again, there's that, that modeling, and then we reproduce that in our relationships. Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 18, and it goes to this becoming new theme and God changing your core character. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this transformation is from God, who reconciled us through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And so what we see very clearly from the passage is that a relationship with God, with God involves massive transformation. The old is out, the new is in, the chump is out, the champion is in, Kenny's out, Christ is in, right? And so what, is it, what does it look like? It looks like inner transformation. And it comes from that collision, that experience with God. It says all this, all this transformation, all this newness of character comes from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. So do you see how the experience of 
being reconciled to God or made God's friend through Christ and his love, okay, um, that gives us a new inner person. And so that's where I just want to ask you, are you changing? Are you the same person that you've been for the last year, last two years, last five years, last 10 years? Now, there are some parts of ourselves, aspects of our personality that should never change, okay? Who we are, kind of culture we, we live in, that type of stuff. But then there are our core character qualities. And God says, that's not static. A relationship with God and an encounter with his love changes you from the inside out. It makes you a new person, and you learn how to love strong, like we read in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. All right, so colliding with God's love is a game changer. Changes my core motivation. Why do what I do? It changes my core character. And then the next category follows a change in character, and that is it changes my core conduct. Right? So if I'm changing on the inside, that change on the inside is going to be expressed outside in conduct. And then we're following the passage now down to the second part of verse 8 through verse 11. Listen what it says. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part... And we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, circle that, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, key statement, I put the ways of childhood behind me. So the Bible is is so clear that when your motivation changes and you're and then that collision with God's love and why you do what you do now begins to change you from the inside out. You become that new creation, that new man, right? Those new character qualities start coming about and you start thinking differently about yourself and people and relationships. And then all of a sudden you start getting these new capacities because God's love is changing everything inside of you. You become more patient and kind and not rude and you honor God and honor people and honor truth. Now that gets expressed. Up to this point, we've just been talking about sort of an inner process, but now it's, it's, it's coming out. And what does it look like? This is key. It looks like you growing up. It looks like you becoming mature, right? It, it means putting the ways that we're immature and selfish because immaturity and selfishness are synonymous, right? Putting those ways behind you and growing mature and less selfish, right? And when you're mature and you're less selfish, the math of that is that you love strong. How cool is that, right? And, you know, you might be asking, well, how does that really work? Well, when God's love comes inside, all right, his perfect and complete love, like the passage says, what that does is that locks down your worth. And when your self-worth is locked down, when the question is answered, right, when your worth is not on trial anymore, all right, you stop doing selfish and immature things to get worth and to get acceptance and to get approval. All right. 
And then you start living not out of anxiousness over, do people like me and am I worth loving and am I important and am I significant? Why? Because God's love has locked down your worth. The verdict is in. You don't have to chase worth anymore because you have my love. What does that do to a person? Well, it gives them worth, gives them peace when they know it on the inside. And then that peace, you know, gives them a security, a confidence where, okay, I, that, that problem is solved. Now I don't have to worry about putting energy into proving my worth to anybody. I have God's love. I'm going to live for an audience of, love, of one. Now I'm free, right, to start serving and loving other people. The focus goes off of myself, goes on to God and people. And what does that journey look like? It looks like a journey of maturity, right? New character leads to new conduct. New conduct looks and feels to others in your life as a grown-up, mature, solid, and strong man. Man, isn't that, that's where we want to be, right? And that's why we're doing this series. You really have to understand how God's love is to work itself inside of you and how it works its way out and into your relationships, all right? Talks about this in kind of the form of a picture, this, this picture of maturity. Every man watching this live stream or listening to it can relate to growing physically, right? And um, growing physically, there is an expectation that that physical growth will be mirrored by emotional growth. In other words, you'll go from being immature, physically and emotionally, to being mature, physically and emotionally. Here's the problem. We have a lot of guys who go from being immature physically to physically mature. They grow. It's genetics. They grow in and they have man-sized body and man-sized responsibilities. But the problem is their emotional maturity, their inner character is lagging way behind their actual chronological and physical maturity. Does that make sense? You got a, in other words, you got a grown man with boy size character on the inside. You know what that spells? Disaster, right? Now, the Bible, if you listen carefully to it, talks about how we need those two to be consistent and next to each other. The only way that that can happen is through love. Love from God, that maturity process, right, that makes us secure on the inside where we're not worried about belonging or being accepted by other people or competing with other people. We're okay because God loves us, and then that frees us to love other people without concern for ourselves. That looks like maturity, right? Listen to what the Bible says in Hebrews 5. It says, anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So what you have is a picture of an infant or toddler versus an adult. And the difference between them is immaturity and maturity. There's 
physical immaturity that requires milk because they can't handle a ribeye steak, amen? But if you're an adult, you can handle a ribeye steak, amen? But you got that picture, that physical picture, but then there's a maturity picture that there should be this consistency of as I grow in age, I should grow in maturity and righteousness. Not always the case, right? We have, we see that. And in fact, it, it, we scratch our heads just like, hey, you're a grown man, right? Well, what does that, that look like, right? Well, the picture of the Bible is that inner maturity, emotional maturity, spiritual maturity is your ability to take in the solid truth of God's love about you declared in scripture, to take in and train with it, right? Assimilate it, digest it, put it to work, right? So that you can grow inwardly, emotionally, and spiritually. And that inner maturity, that's how relationships work. I mean, when you got a mature man connecting with a mature woman, that is gonna be a healthy relationship. Why? Because they're not dealing with each other like eighth graders, right? But so when we see that, we're like, hey, we gotta grow in love. The solution is not circumstantial. It's not outside of you. It's not, if only she respected me, and if only she did this, and if only she did that. It's in you, the answer's in you, right? You need to love sacrificially. You need to love maturely. And as you model that, as God has modeled that for you, the Bible we just read, people see that, the invisible God becomes visible, and that draws them to God. When they get drawn to God and his love through your modeling and his modeling for you, they become interested in God. And now you have some integrity. And at least that's a good starting point for healing in a relationship. Respect through integrity. All right, let's get to the last big change, right? So a collision with God's love, it changes why we do what we do, right? It changes our purpose, right? Uh, a collision with God's love, it changes our character. We start transforming on the inside. That character then leads to conduct. So God's love changes our core conduct. Then lastly, uh, God's love uh, changes my core source of significance, right? And we... We see, you know, after talking about how God's love is a game changer, we see that now we live for an audience of one. Now our source of significance is, is, is not in what man thinks of us. We stop being man-pleasers and we start being God-pleasers. Let's look at that, the next line in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 12 and 13. The next line says this, For now... We see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. It's a compare contrast of, okay, we're, we've collided with God's love. It's changing me right now. And I have this glimpse okay, of significance, that I, I know it in part, right? I, I know it like in a mirror, all right? I, don't, I can't actually touch it, but one day I'm going to see it face to face, and one day I'll know fully, right? And then the encouragement is, man, keep loving. The greatest measure of your significance 
is how you value love, how you live out love in your relationships with other people. The greatest of these is love. How you love on earth in the end is your measure in eternity. Let me say that again. How you love on earth in the end is your measure in eternity, all right? Look at what Jesus says in John 8, 28, just to, to buttress this. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many believed in him. So what you have is, and you see this all throughout the Gospels, whether it's at the baptism of Jesus or Jesus saying this in John 8, or the transfiguration, where there's an appearance and just this connection between the Father and the Son. And what you see is the Father loves the Son, the Son loves the Father, the Son pleases the Father. Right? Now, how does that relate to me and you? God loves us, we love Him back, we live to please Him alone. Well, how do we please Him? By loving Him back and loving people, by loving strong. In fact, that's the answer to the meaning of life. When someone asks them, hey, how do we live out God's purpose here right now? Well, learn his ways and love him by living out his ways and love people. So in this series, when, it, when we talk about loving strong now, what will it mean later when we stand before God? You know, we all want to hear that well done, good and faithful. What does that mean? Well, it means, write this down, that you loved well, that you loved well. You loved God well, you learned his ways, and you lived out his ways and pleased him. That's how we love him. Right? We love God well by learning his ways and living them out, just like Jesus. God li Jesus lived out God's ways. He did everything to please God. But then also he loved people. He loved us all the way to the end until he went back to the Father. And Jesus is our model. Now the question is, does my love for people reflect my relationship with God? It's one of the biggest questions you can ask in life because if you ask that question, you're getting closer and closer to the meaning uh, of life. And so have you collided with God's love? Well, then what do your relationships look like? And are you working on loving strong? Is God's love changing you to the point that your whole motivation uh, surrounding what you do doesn't focus on what you do outside, but what's happening on the inside, that your purpose and your intentions in life are changing, that, that God and people are, are the most important thing to you, and you discipline yourself toward those two relationships? Is your, is your character changing? Has God's love made a dent in your Are you becoming more patient? Well, God's patient with you. Are you becoming more kind? God's kind with you, and so on. Go back, look at that passage in 1 Corinthians 13, and put your name in place of the word love. Is God's love then changing your conduct? Do people see and sense that God's love is in you by the way they feel when they're around you. 
you see, guys, I know none of us are perfect, and we're all in process. Hallelujah. But this is what we're supposed to be good at. God's man, if he's good at God, he's great at relationships because a good God loved him and sent his only son to die for him. And the experience and encounter with such love changes everything about us, our character, our conduct. And that's, that's called transformation. And so that's why we do this live stream. That's why we do um, this, this meeting every week. Guys, we got to get it right. We got to get our heads right. We got to get our energy right. We got to focus on God and people and discipline ourselves toward those two relationships. And if we do that, man, we are doing life right. And I don't know one man who doesn't want to do life right. Amen. Let's pray. God, we want to do life right, but we're not doing it right if we don't know the author of life, who gives us a plan for life, and who gives us the love of our lifetimes now and in eternity. God, thank you for modeling the love that you want us to express in our own relationships. Thank you for the experience and encounter with your love through the person of Jesus and the death of Jesus on our behalf. That sacrificial, courageous, strong, compassionate, forgiving, merciful love that was so unselfish. And Lord, that's the battle that we're all fighting today is where we can just let your love for us settle us down and remind us that we're okay and that our worth is not on trial. The verdict is in. We're made in your image and you love us and we can just relax and rest in that. And as we do that, you start to change us from the inside out. We can worry less about competing for attention or visibility or power or control. And we can get out of our heads and get into loving people really well the way that, that you loved us. So Lord, we're just gonna just receive and recognize that love right now. We're gonna open the door to our hearts and ask for you to release a flood of understanding when it comes to your love, that great sacrificial love that chose to die so that we could live and have a relationship with God. There's no greater love, Jesus, we recognize it. And now, Jesus, we want it to change us. We want it to change the way we think about you, our purpose, ourselves, and God, our relationship. So Lord, I know that on the other end of this camera and this podcast are people that have relationships. And those relationships, I know, need more spirit-filled, Christ-inspired love. So settle the man in your love. Settle him. Help him feel it. Recognize it. Receive it. And then let all of us, your sons, now go out there free to love and serve people the way you loved and served us, Jesus. So uh, today I declare in the name of Jesus, every man listening to this live stream or podcast, 
I declare strong loving through that man. In the name of Jesus and all God's men said, amen. We'll see you next week.